Welcome to The Fleet Code, a podcast brought to you by Fleetio, where we'll dive into the latest fleet trends, technologies, and best practices. Get the inside scoop as we decode the challenges of fleet management. Hi, everyone. Welcome to The Fleet Code. Today, this is part two of our VMRS series. In part one, we talked about utilizing VMRS for maintenance reporting, and we had two industry experts really talk about the details about VMRS, what VMRS was, how it got started, code keys, how it's used today. In this episode, we're really going to dig into more around the details of implementation. Today, I've got another industry expert with me, Craig Rice. Craig was the fleet manager for the city of Detroit for 37 years. So welcome, Craig. Really appreciate you being on the Fleet Code today. Morning, Greg. Craig, maybe you could just give everybody a little background about yourself. Okay, Greg. I have over 40 years in the industry. I spent 37 years with the city of Detroit, starting off as a student and working my way up through the ranks to fleet manager and eventually retiring as department director. I also had stints with Ford Motor Company as a prototype mechanic and a couple of years at Chrysler working on the assembly line. So got a pretty diverse background in the automotive industry. Yeah. You did some consulting as well, correct, Craig? That's correct. I did some consulting after retirement at Cook County, Illinois, Tulsa, Oklahoma, and Houston, Texas. Really appreciate being with us today. We want to really dig into the implementation of VMRS, and I know that's something that happened at the city of Detroit. Craig, was there a tipping point at the city of Detroit that you decided to implement VMRS? Yeah, around 2004, the current administration was really impressed with Chicago, Illinois, and their fleet. They sent me there on a couple of occasions. And after the second trip back from Chicago, I made them aware if they wanted me to duplicate what Chicago had with the fleet, give me some of those resources, and I'd gladly make it happen. And that's pretty much how I ended up getting the software to help manage the fleet of the city of Detroit. Gotcha. So you implemented the software, and then part of that software was the inclusion of maintenance reporting, which happened to be VMRS at that point. That is correct. Awesome. When you think about VMRS, was there something specific that really stuck out to you at a high level around the implementation? I needed to have standards that didn't exist at the time because I wanted to do chargebacks to certain segments of the fleet, but you had to have some kind of standard in order to do that. I had uh, accidents and abuse that was out of control, and I was trying to put myself in a predicament where I can separate the maintenance costs from the accident cost, which at the time, the city didn't budget for accidents. How many vehicles, how big was the city of Detroit? How many vehicles did you manage? When I first started in the fleet, it was 4,000. When I retired the first time in 2011, it was 3,200. As you started to think about implementation of MRS and software to help improve the fleet, was there anything specific you were after from that? Was there something that you had recognized and just didn't have the data to support it that you were after when you did it? Well, I knew that a lot of my time was spent on things that wasn't considered routine maintenance. I had no idea what those costs were, but I wanted to get a handle on it because, again, we didn't budget for these type of circumstances. Yeah, you brought up budget a few times. Was that the big thing that you were after initially when you started? Were you always over budget? Were you not getting the funding that you needed? It was a couple of things. The fuel was in the fleet's budget. And the fuel was probably a third of the operating budget. And I wanted to get better handle on it as well. And when I went to the budget department, I had to justify some of these costs because I had no system in place prior to VMRS. So that helped me to get proper funding, but also helped me to separate who's responsible for what. 
as a fleet manager, I can control repairs, but I can't control accidents, nor can I control abuse that's for operations. So can you walk us through a little bit? You've got this budgeting, you got these controls you want to put in place. You're trying to get funding for different things and you need to implement software when it's got some standardization in it. Can you just walk us through your process you implement it? The first step was we brought in a consultant that did the implementation for several other cities. Once we got that person aboard, then we had to get all of the stakeholders in the room and including the budget department operations and get a mass inventory so that way we can have actual inventory analysis of the fleet as it existed at that time. And then I worked with that consultant hand in hand to establish some benchmarks. For example, as a result of this implementation, we end up closing the garage. And one thing that was really important at that time, I had to get a buy-in from a lot of the stakeholders. Fortunately for me, that first time, it happened pretty much with ease because the budget department was behind this whole initiative because they were expecting some cost savings as a result of We talked about the process of implementing it. It sounds like when we're talking, it went pretty smooth, but was there challenges when you were implementing Oh, it was all kind of challenges. I had a lot of ground to cover. It probably took a year and a half before we had it fully implemented. And the fuel was really key for me because I got a lot of the vehicle data from the fuel system. So we did it in segments. First, we did the fleet piece. Then we did the fuel piece. One of the challenges I had, the personnel piece, because it was always changing. And you had to have people in the system, both from the fleet and operations, so they can have access to the fuel system. One of the challenges I had was that operations wasn't always keeping me abreast of those folk that had left city employment. And so what I ended up doing was any inactive person that was in the software after 90 days of non-usage, I would take them out. Because at one point, we probably had 4,000 fuel users and 3,000 employees that should have been in the system, something like that, you know. Yep. So you talked a little bit about a year and a half to implement. Was that part of the plan to roll out? Is it just something you uncovered as you were going through? We did do an inspection of every vehicle. We got the, uh, the odometer reading. We did the assessment of the condition, the license plate number, check the VIN number. And that whole process uncovered a lot of stuff. We had vehicles that we thought we had that we didn't have. So that took a while to do because touching everything with operations and public safety vehicles, they were a little hesitant about bringing them in. So we had to go to the locations in order to find the vehicles. So that was troublesome for me. Would you say that you have any best practices around implementation? Sure. As a result of having BMRS, I was able to do chargebacks to operating departments. And also that chargeback, again, had to have some integrity. And by having standards with the time study, I was able to have those standards. I was also able to track not only employee performance, I was also able to track the performance of a vehicle. For example, lucky for me, I had one of all three of the big three police interceptors at the time. So I was able to do a side-by-side comparison of all three of them and track downtime, costs, breakdowns, the whole nine yards, which made it easier for me to make decisions on vehicle purchases going forward. Awesome. Anything else that you would like the listeners to know about VMRS that you think be helpful for them? 
in the process of implementing BMRS, you got to have a champion. You got to get a buy-in from administration. You need to have a buy-in from all of the stakeholders. And you get that, I think it would definitely benefit the implementation. I think those are key to have a successful launch is getting those buy-ins. Awesome. See, you got everybody in the room. It's awesome to get the budget department. You've got to get buy-in. So you talked about KPIs or some benchmarking. How did you determine those? Was there a couple top things that you were after? What were those KPIs that you were going to put in place? Yeah, so one of the things that the administration at the time was really in favor of, and they did a lot of benchmarking with other cities at that time, was availability, especially in public safety. So one of the key KPIs for me was availability, scheduled maintenance versus unscheduled maintenance, and direct labor costs. The other thing that benefited me in the implementation was at the time, we did have a vehicle steering committee, which had all of the chief operating officer, chief financial officer, myself. So I had the leverage of all of these top players in order to help implement this VMRS system. Gotcha. So organizational buy-in was pretty important to get this rolled out and get it implemented. And so was there something you talked to them about, or did you have a meeting with them to talk about the software and VMRS and what it was going to do? Okay. Again, they started off with them benchmarking the city of Chicago, you know, and they wanted to duplicate that. So which was an easy sale for me. And I just said, Hey, you give me the tools and I'll make it happen. And then they had faith in me. And fortunately for me, I was able to do just that. Yeah, that's awesome. So benchmarking was a key part of it is that you were going to use City of Chicago as a benchmark. But did you guys create your own benchmarks? We did basically use industry standards. The other thing that I was associated with was the American Public Works Association, which has it's a group of municipalities and state organizations, and they have well, bureaus for each of the fleet and the water, et cetera. So we always use that as a benchmark as well what other cities were doing and how successful they was in availability or whatever was going on at that time. You talked about the buy-in at the organization and some of the executive levels. What about the implementation like at the garage level? Because how many garages did you have at the city of Detroit that you were managing? We had four. four. The buy-in on the personnel standpoint was the fact that there was talk about outsourcing. And you talk about outsourcing, first we got to get an idea what our actual costs are. And that really wasn't clear at the time. Then if you do that, you can compare with an outsource or whatever you may anticipate doing. But if you don't have a handle on that, especially if you can separate some of what I consider to be the true costs from the abuse and accidents. And again, we weren't able to do that. Gotcha. So you had four garages, so you had technicians and managers in the garages. What about the implementation of like their buy-in? Because they're the ones that had to do the work every day. So how did that happen? What did you see in that process? Was it easy to implement? Did you get pushback from the garages and from the technicians? What was that like? I got a little pushback from the unions. I was able to make it clear to the union that if we can't show our worth, there's no way we're going to exist. So this is all a means of being able to track what we do. When we track on what we do, we need to be productive. Me taking that stance helped cushion the blow to a degree. There was probably some uncomfortable people, but there was no way around it. And I think they recognized that. Gotcha. So you were primarily doing most of the work in-house and through the technicians, so you needed to do all that. Did you do any outsourced work at that point? 
Yeah, basically, we probably did 80% of the work in-house. The stuff that we outsourced, like key pins, transmission rebuilds, stuff like that, the heavy stuff, which we didn't have the time or the uh, manpower in order to do. And that's been pretty consistent throughout the 40 years I've been associated with the fleet. Did you use VMRS for your outsource maintenance as well? We didn't in the beginning, but uh, once I got the software, I was able to do that because uh, there was no way I could keep track of that kind of stuff without having a system in place. And that VMRS was a lifesaver for me. Was there anything that came out of when you were outsourcing that you realized because you were using? Not that I can remember. All of the invoices for the outsourcing, I had to sign off on. They were just a manual process as opposed to having the data at my fingertips. Yeah, but the key there was getting all of the data in-house and outsourced together in a system and have it all standardized. Did you code all of your outsourced stuff into the system then? Yes, we did. Yeah, so you had the view across the fleet then of all of the work being done, not just your work being done in-house. You could see everything in that system. That's correct. And then one of the things that did come up was I had one department. They had 167 vehicles. And then that first year that I had this data at my fingertips, they had 167 accidents, 167 vehicles. And they had 167 accidents. This is why accidents and abuse and whatnot always part of my makeup because it was just totally out of control. But nobody else had those kind of issues that I'm aware of. So you used VMRS not only for tracking maintenance and reporting, but for other things. Sounds like you tracked uh, using some of the other code keys, accidents to be able to determine some of those things. The costs associated with those and also the downtime associated with that. Yeah, it was one of the things you said earlier on, you were talking about the benchmarking and 80% scheduled versus unscheduled and some of those metrics. And you talked about vehicle availability for a lot of fleets out there. It is the downtime. I'm sure you guys track downtime as well, but a lot of fleets out there, it's the downtime is so important to them. And anything specific there that you could call out, did you see improvements in your availability of vehicles or your downtime improve as you implemented I sure did because once I was able to separate what was down for repairs or maintenance from the accidents, it was clear that I was taking responsibility for a portion of that and operations were taking responsibility for a portion of that. And I was even able to have the budget department to consider doing chargebacks to the departments for that type of stuff that they can control, the accidents that I can't control. So that in itself, I believe, helped get better control over accidents and abuse. See, we've talked about a little bit around maintenance and downtime. We've talked a little bit about some accident reporting. Any other key KPIs or your favorite KPIs that were out there that you used a lot? One of the things that I was able to do, every time I got a new fleet, it was always difficult for me to get a one-on-one trade. In other words, when I gave them a new vehicle, I expected an old vehicle in replacement. And I got a lot of pushback for that. But once I was able to get data that I can use, I got data from a fuel system that showed me in one case, whereas a public safety fleet didn't want to give me trade-ins. Now I was able to show that not only did they have an abundance of vehicles, they had over 100 vehicles that had been serviced for fuel in over six months. And wasn't any seasonable vehicles involved in that, nor was any of those vehicles in the shop for repairs. So it gave me a lot of tools to use to help manage the fleet. So vehicle utilization, you were able to determine and look at it. I'm real passionate about this. And so much I was able to do once I got that software, it was just, it made my life a lot easier. Anything else around 
the implementation of VMRS, anything about the process? In that implementation, one of the other things I had to do was class codes, separating everything by class codes. That was helpful. And also what I was able to do was a time study for my technicians. And I wanted to do a in-house time study as opposed to using industry standards, whereas it'll be in the, the environment that I expect the work to get done in. For example, in my stint at Ford Motor Company, everybody specialized in one particular area. So it's really easy to do a time study with a guy that's done this same repair a thousand times. He's really quick. But when you got to go bumper to bumper, like most municipalities, it's a whole different animal. And you got the parts piece and all of that that's associated with that type of activity. So anyway, that time study I did, I was able to use all the parts in the scheduled maintenance, all of the parts associated with that maintenance, be it an APM or BPM, so that when the technician was assigned one of those tasks, all of the associated parts and the time that was expected to get it done was already known. So that was a KPI that I used that was a lifesaver, but it also pushed scheduled maintenance to the forefront for the fleet. Awesome. What about during the implementation process? Did you start out with a full VMRS implementation as far as all the code keys? What did you do from that perspective as you were implementing it? And then did you implement additional code keys over time? Yeah, initially the maintenance. The things that we did the most often was brake jobs, oil changes, that type of stuff. I wanted to get the grouping of vehicles. The vehicles that I had the most of was the ones I started with first. The repairs that was most common was typically was maintenance. I did those first. I never got to the point where everything, I don't think any fleet can, every repair will be covered. But again, I started with the things that were most common. Yeah, absolutely. We talked about it in part one. There's 65 different code keys. How many did you implement when you started out? Do you have a ballpark number that you did? Probably about 30. 30? Right. You guys went pretty far. I've heard of other fleets doing smaller in the seven, eight range to start out with. Did you stay with that standard that you started with or did you add over time? It pretty much stayed with that standard. I don't think we expand very much after that initial setup. So you knew exactly what kind of KPIs and benchmarking and what you wanted to get out of it. So you implemented those and those were the ones that carried you for years. It sounds like after the implementation, there wasn't a lot of change that happened. That's correct. So on the personnel side, how many technicians did you have? I had in the beginning about 125 technicians and it probably was another 30, 35 uh, other titles, supervisors, clerical support. And I also had a storeroom with 24 people. So we had an automotive storeroom in the beginning. After implementing the VMRS, we ended up outsourcing the storage department, which was troublesome for the fleet because I remember telling the union president that hey, I could very easily see getting rid of 24 in order to save 150. It was just a mess. So you had a parts room as well. So you had parts stores basically. That's correct. I think we did a scientific survey before we got the VMRS and 30% of what we needed was in the storeroom. And that wasn't cutting the mark. Only 30% available. Wow. Did you implement VMRS in your parts room as well? Yes, we did. Yeah, we got a vendor in and we ended up part of the vendor's contract was 85% in stock on demand. 10% within three days and that 5% there was some flexibility. 
Yeah. Again, that goes back to what vehicle downtime and vehicle availability by having the parts that you need to do that work. So what did VMRS do for you then in the parts side of the business, which sounds like you wanted to get towards 85%, but how did you do that using VMRS? I had the system set up so that it was flagged anytime a vehicle was waiting on parts. And it's also made me aware when the part came in. So I was tracking downtime for parts. I was tracking downtime waiting on a technician, downtime, waiting on a vendor service. So I was able to capture all of those time intervals. I got you. So VMRS, you were using that to track your parts, to track your vehicle waiting on technician. You were able to uncover then how long you were waiting on parts for vehicles. That's correct. It's interesting you talk about making decision on the vehicles and the platforms. Can you talk about two or three biggest things that VMRS helped you with during the implementation when you've implemented it now? The biggest things that you were able to improve during your implementation of VMRS? As a result of having VMRS, especially with that storeroom activity, although I had a gut feeling of what the availability of parts was, having that real data made it clear that we needed to move in another direction. And that's what we ended up doing with the stock room, which was, that was huge for me. Also, by having VMRS and having true vehicle calls, oftentimes the budget finance department wants the cheapest qualified product, be it a Pinto, whatever the case might be. And having real data, I can show that you may spend a little bit more in the beginning and save a lot at the end. That was, again, huge. It was huge because the city spent 20 to $30 million on annual vehicle purchases every year. And I was the one that approved those purchases. So it gave me tools to show a true picture as opposed to just initial cost. Were you able to reduce maintenance costs over time? I wasn't able to reduce maintenance costs because by raising a bar on scheduled maintenance, we actually did more on the maintenance side and we was able to probably say some on the repair side, but we're so far behind on maintenance that it probably was a wash. Gotcha. VMRS wasn't always just about maintenance. It's not about cost savings. You can use, it sounds like there's other metrics besides cost savings that you were looking at as far as implementation goes. So what would you say would be the primary thing that tracking all the maintenance data really did for you? Because it wasn't cost savings. What was the primary thing that really helped you with? Approved availability, less downtime, and also separating those calls so that I had what I consider to be true calls and not the accident abuse stuff. And, and I say the accident abuse. Let me give an example of the kind of stuff that affected my budget that I couldn't control. One of my public safety fleets, I had knuckleheads notching all of the rubber out of a steering wheel of a Crown Victoria. That steering was $125. Surely replacing the steering wheel is not maintenance. And I didn't replace one of them, it was dozens. So again, one of my biggest concerns was getting this kind of stuff under control, both from a financial standpoint, but also as far as availability. So it sounds like downtime was one of the big KPIs that you were after with the implementation. Downtime was number one, especially for the public safety fleets, which was my top priority. When you first started and you were implementing and you you talked a lot about scheduled versus unscheduled or preventive maintenance versus repairs, do you know how that shifted? Where were you at when you started and where did you get to finally at the end? When I first started tracking, it was 20%. At the end, it was a little better than 40. I never made it to the 70, 80, which was a goal. But the other thing that's tied to that scheduled versus unscheduled is your replacement cycles. 
And in the very beginning, my replacement cycle was out of whack. I had vehicles that were beyond repairs that I had in the fleet that was causing a lot of breakdowns because we had kept them too long. So they had to go hand in hand. If you want to get that, that 70, 80%, you got to have a legitimate replacement cycles and you got to have control over some of the accidents and abuse. All right. So if you were a fleet manager organization out there today that wasn't using a software that had VMRS in it, because VMRS is a big component of that, what would you tell them today? Well, if you got data and you have a VMRS system, you can show a true picture. And oftentimes some of the weight that the fleet carries, it belongs elsewhere, be it operations or or whatever the case might be. It helped me in a lot of ways because not only was I able to establish some work standards within the fleet with the technicians, I was able to get a better control over accidents and other things that existed. And fuel. Fuel was huge for me because I had a $10 million budget for fuel, for example. And as a result of uh, implementing VMRS, I believe my fuel budget probably dropped 10%. Wow, that's pretty big savings out of that, that amount of money. So thinking about back to new fleets that have not implemented VMRS, I think there's a ton of data out there for fleets today. And you've talked about data several times. When you think back to VMRS, it really gave you the standardization of your data. You had a lot of data at your fingertips right? when you were at City of Detroit. That's true. In the beginning, the data I had wasn't accurate. Not only did it give me more data, the data was extremely accurate. Again, when I presented something, you couldn't question the integrity of the data because it gave me that kind of support. Yeah, you've mentioned that a few times that having the accurate data was really the big thing from a reporting with the leadership group, helping support your decisions and what you were asking for from the city. That's true. That's true. It gave me a lot of support. Something else you said that I wanted to just dig into a little bit. You talked about class of vehicles. When you were using VMRS, did you see differences in classes of vehicles? And was it helpful to have the information at that vehicle level? And did you think about things differently from benchmarking and implementation? So did you think about a refuse truck versus a dump truck versus a sedan? Did you think about those differently? I sure did. Again, it gave me so much more data that I can use. Fuel costs, for example, being one of them. Downtime, seasonable equipment, I was able to track that stuff better because oftentimes you look at the miles of a vehicle and figure maybe it's underutilized, but if you don't recognize it as a seasonable piece of equipment, it paints a clear picture. And I was also able to separate those classes and we end up outsourcing some apartments. And it was pretty much based on class codes that I used in order to determine what kind of cost savings we would achieve from the fleet if we in fact outsourced various departments. Over the time of implementing, you talked a lot about successful stories because you had VMRS in the data. Would you say that the implementation of the software in VMRS was key to the successful management of the fleet for the city? The city had, uh, at the beginning anyway, $100 million worth of vehicles and equipment. So that's something you want to manage. That can be a lot of costs associated with a fleet that size. Yeah. Would you recommend starting out small with some specific key KPIs for a fleet that you can benchmark against? Yes, that'll be the smart route to take. Yes. And then more likely the maintenance. And again, the things that are most common within your fleet and the vehicles that are most common in your fleet, the numbers do matter. Availability, cost, and probably the performance of the technician. Those are all key KPIs for me. And those are things that administration was looking at. How often did you have to meet with the administration? What were the conversations like before VMRS? And what was the conversations like after VMRS? 
the conversation before VMRS was pretty much, I had a pen and pencil type system. And then a lot of what I was telling them, I don't think they would believe. Okay. And I met with them probably on a monthly basis. All the departments had to give their little stats on a monthly basis. But once I got VMRS, it opened up the world for me. I had more data. I had accurate data. And it was easier to benchmark with other cities. But also, it gave me the ability to do chargebacks in a way that people were more comfortable with. Gave them an invoice, the technician times, parts associated with it, but also the times that it gave me that tool as well. So they know that all the costs were within reason. Awesome. Any last minute advice around VMRS? If you don't have VMRS, get it. It'll save your life. <laughs> it saved mine. It made my job much easier because I was able to show the true picture. Prior to that, I would complain about certain things, and I believe it went in one ear and out the other as far as administration. But once I had that data, it changed. Awesome. Craig, really appreciate the time today. It was great speaking with you and learn a little bit more about VMRS from the implementation perspective. Thank you, Greg. Thanks for the opportunity. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Fleet Code. If you're looking for a modern software solution to effectively manage your fleet, be sure to check out fleetio.com podcast to learn more. Join our monthly newsletter to stay up to date on all things Fleetio. And don't forget to connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn by following us at Fleetio. Fleetio.